Welcome to this episode of Self Made with D Brown CEO. My guest today is a world-renowned actor who is the star of Tyler Perry's hit TV series, The Oval. Please help me welcome Lodric Collins to Self Made. Lodric, man, hey, I'm glad hey. to have you on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Hey, listen, you have so much to cover, so let's just jump right into it. I want to start really back in Lake Charles, uh, uh -huh. Louisiana, as a, as a kid. Uh -huh. Tell me about growing up in Lake Charles. What was it like? It's a great time. Um, I didn't think of it as that at the time because I didn't know what to compare it to. But I grew up, uh, I'm the middle child of four brothers, and my dad was a cement finisher. So we started working uh, when we could walk. <laughs> I think at the age of, like, first grade, I remember going to work with my dad uh, pouring concrete. And he showed us how to set up forms. And for, like, our birthdays and Christmas and things like that, he would buy us sledgehammers. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine getting five boy sledgehammers, and he would take us to a job site. And he'd be like, hey, we need to break all this up. So go to work. You know? Right, right. So, Wrecking yeah. forms. Wrecking forms, exactly. Yeah, tearing up concrete slabs and repouring. Um, yeah, sports. Um, um, just hanging out with my bro, my brothers. Um, I have a large family. Again, my mom and dad has five yeah. boys. My dad has nine brothers and sisters. And uh, everyone lived next to each other. So, like, my cousins are like my brothers and sisters. Right, and right. My uncles and aunts are like my parents, you know. So when they say, when they say uh, it takes a neighborhood or a village to raise a family, right. that's literally what it was. Yeah. Wow. So what yeah. sports did you play? I played baseball. I played basketball. I played everything that had some type of ball and, yeah, <laughs> that you could win an award for. Right. Yeah. Now, I know that you uh, developed a passion uh -huh. for acting at a very early age. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Well, being, especially being a middle child, you got to find, I realized early, you got to find your groove, you know. So my grandmother, uh, I remember one day, she said, I got to find something to make this boy sit down and be still, yeah. you know, because he just won't be still because I was just all over the place. And she took me to this theater. It was on the railroad tracks, man. It was the weirdest thing because it was like this abandoned warehouse that we probably pass on our bikes all the time. Yeah. It was called Axe Theaters on the railroad tracks, so you know it was in the hood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we went to see this show like The Adventures of Oliver Twist or Huckleberry Finn, one of those, I forget. Yeah. But I remember walking inside, and I've always been a person of detail. Uh, these raggedy doors open and inside were like these Sistine Chapel ceilings and uh, these buttresses that went all the way up. And I'm like, what is this? I'd never been in a place like that before. Yeah. And then we went inside the theater and I'm like, this is crazy. I don't know what's about to happen, right. but I'm here for it. And I remember, and she, she used to describe it all the time, like uh, uh, how my attention just went all kind of ways for a moment and then it just sat still. I remember like the sound from what was going on the stage didn't hit me here, it hit me from the back. And I'm like, what, why? Right. He's talking here, but it's hitting me from the <laughs> back and where are these lights coming from? And you know, I was captivated. And then these people came on stage and everything just like went into like this fantasy world, you know? Yeah. And I remember just sitting still the whole time and just paying like really close attention to every single detail that was going on, but still allowing myself to escape into this really cool world right uh, my grandmother describes it as the first time I really ever sat still <laughs> in my life you know <laughs> and I remember we came out and um, I said I want to do that she says you do I said yeah so she grabs all these pamphlets and um, brochures and then I think the week after that there's an audition for the Wizard of Oz yeah yeah I go in 
I auditioned, not knowing what I'm doing, just allowing my creativity or whatever it is to run wild. And I'm like, you got the part. You yeah. know? Wow. And then we did that. And yeah, that was that was the foundation of it. That all. was the foundation. Yeah. So you uh, completed high school in I Lake did. Charles. Yeah. Washington Mary Magnet High School. Yeah. And then you you um, went on to Southern University in Baton Rouge. I did. Talk to me about yeah. that, about yeah. Southern. Oh, it was great. Um, I mainly, being from Lake Charles, Louisiana, it was a very segregated town. So my family felt safe throughout my, uh, throughout since the first grade, sending me to uh, predominantly African-American institutions. So Southern was not really as different in the sense that, correction, Southern wasn't really differently in terms of aesthetics, but culturally, it was the first time that I was embraced with who I was in terms of an African-American on this planet Earth in yeah. America. Um, and the pride was instilled in me of who I am and what I represent when I go out into the world. Uh, and Southern was really good at that because there were always some reminders of who you are and the greatness of who you are and what you represent when you step out and the entitlement and space that you're allowed to take up in this world. Right. It's really important. And they, they, they pushed that to us really hard, yeah. I didn't understand it at the time, but the minute I stepped out into the world, as soon as I graduated, I moved to New York City. I understood it in folds, yeah. So you moved to New York. Yeah. Talk to me about that transition from Southern to New York, because obviously yeah. going from um, Louisiana yeah. to almost anywhere is, uh -huh. is culturally there's going to be a, a significant yeah. difference, right? But going to New York, I mean, it's a big yeah. change. New York was perfect for me yeah. because my whole life I'd existed in a place where n people couldn't, or not people, the environment couldn't catch up to the energy that I had inside. I always was the last one at a, at a party or an event waiting for more <laughs> to happen. Um, after it was over, I would want to find a place. We go. I remember buddies and I would go to like Super Walmart because it was the only thing open 24 hours right. and we weren't ready to go home. So. Yeah. <laughs> so when I moved to New York and I'm like, wait, this place is going all the time. Right, nonstop. And every single thing that I've ever been interested in, I can try out. It was like going to a buffet, you know? Right. Uh, you wanna try your hand in this? Yeah, go ahead, you know? Uh, it was just a buffet of action and adventure, and I describe it every day of walking out of side of my house. It was like, um, uh, what's the, Alice in Wonderland, yeah. where she goes into the looking glass and it's an adventure, every single day. Um, but I remember moving there. I was interning with a company uh, for the summers, and they eventually moved me there after I graduated. Um, and after work, I would do community theater, or um, I would audition for commercials, things like that, just as a hobby. Yeah. And eventually those things started picking up, and um, I remember speaking to my mentor, um, not necessarily about me wanting to pursue acting, but just in terms of happiness. Uh, and it, it was that conversation was a pivotal point in my life because he was an officer of a company. He was the first uh, black officer that I'd seen in a major company. Um, so when it came to representation, I just always gravitated to him naturally. Yeah. I remember going to his house. He said, come to my house. I'm going to have a barbecue. And yeah, come and have, have some fun. Meet the family. Yeah. I come over and there's like a fleet of beautiful cars. Um, there's a butler that meets me at the door, brings me to the back, huge pool, and his kids have like Rolls Royces and his wife's got a Ferrari and everyone's like just lounging by this pool. And it's like a life of luxury that I always dreamed of. Yeah. 
Um, and when everything died down, I said, man, you must be really, really happy. He says, what makes you say that? I said, because you got all of this. You know, your wife, has, you've got this beautiful home. Your wife's got these cars. All your kids have got like this, this fleet of cars that I dreamed of, yeah. you know? You must be really happy. And he said to me, he said, what if I said I wasn't? I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> right. wait, wait. What do you mean? He said, what if I told you that I wasn't happy? I was like, I wouldn't believe you. He was like, what makes you think that I have it? I was like, you got all of this. He was like, I'm not going to tell you I'm not happy. He was like, but what if I told you I wanted to do something different with my life? I was like, you would throw me off. I don't understand. You right. know, I'm totally at a loss. He says, um, I'm not going to tell you that I'm not. But what I will say is, if I had the opportunity to do something different or to do something that I enjoyed in life, I would do it. He was like, if you have the opportunity to do something or find something that you that you enjoy, that you gravitate to, that you think will bring you a lifetime of happiness, I encourage you to do it. If you can find that in this company, I encourage you to find that. But like, it's important in your life. Uh, it's important for me to tell you at this point that you must find it. He was like, because eventually you're going to find yourself with a family, with a beautiful wife, with kids, and they're all going to want something. And you're going to be in a place where... You're now forced to provide and sometimes sacrifice that happiness. Threw my mind off, man. Yeah. Threw my mind off in a major way. And after that, I got an offer for a project. And they were like, you can't work the full-time job and do the project. And I remember putting in my notice. Yeah. And he called me into his office. He said, if you ever tell anybody I told you that story, <laughs> I'll tell them that you're a liar. Okay. <laughs> It was the coolest moment. Yeah. I mean, we're still in touch right now. He every time something happens, he reaches out to me like, "Hey, I'm proud of you. Uh, are you happy?" You know, yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm great. Yeah." So that conversation, moving to New York, having that conversation, it all kind of leads you to where you are. You know, right? Which is right here, right now. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So when did you get your first big break in in acting? I always say my first big break was the first, not big job that I booked. It was it was a small job. But it taught me a lot. It was uh, on a soap opera. Uh, before, um, my first job on a soap opera was All My Children. Mm -hmm. um, I met with the casting director and he said, um, let's rearrange your resume because this isn't how it's supposed to look, you know? Yeah. Um, we'll set it up and, hey, what are your skills? Because you don't have enough skills on there. And I never talked about my experience in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, because I didn't think it would add, add any value to where I was as an actor. He says, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. I was like, oh, I was in the Marine Corps. He's like, why didn't you talk about that? Why didn't you put that on here? I was like, oh, I didn't think it was a value. And he said, everything of your life is a value and it brings you here, you know? Yeah. So tell me about it. Uh, I told him a little bit and I went home and the next day he called, he said, hey, we had a really good audition in meaning. I got a question. Do you know how to repel off of a mountain? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know how to repel <laughs> off of a mountain. I know how to repel out of a plane. I could do that. He was yeah. like, I got this really cool job. It's a, he, he, it, we'll pay you for stunts and everything. And you got this dialogue, but we set up this mountain in the studio like this. Yeah. We set up a real live mountain and we need you to repel off of it. Rescue this lady and deliver these lines and get her to safety, you know? Yeah. And it, 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 it reminded me, kind of like he said, everything brings you to that place right, and everything right. of your life is a value. You know, if it hadn't been for my life in the Marine Corps, if it hadn't been for the conversation with my mentor, 
Yeah. I wouldn't have been in that place right now. So right. it kind of just said to me, you know, remember everything that you've done and know how to apply it to every situation because it all matters to some degree, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about your time in the Marine Corps. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a time. I just remember it was before I went to Southern University okay. between high school and college. I didn't go straight out of high school because I thought recruiters were... I wasn't comfortable with recruiters at the time. Um, I wanted to make the decision on my own. Yeah. I wanted to do the research on my own. Uh, I remember someone told me that it was the hardest branch, and I said, ah, that's what I need. Yeah. You know, It was all valiant reasons why I went in. I remember I wanted to be something important in some, it, it, I wanted to be something important within this place in the world. I wanted to be something valuable to the world, and I didn't know what that was. Um, everyone was going to college. But at the time, I just, I needed adventure. I needed to feel important to something. I needed to feel a part of something. Um, and I needed a major challenge in my life. Yeah. And I thought the Marine Corps would bring it, and it did. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience. It taught me a lot about discipline. I remember before going in, I went to church and someone gave me this card that I, I still hold with me till this day. And it says, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. Yeah. Every single challenge where I felt like Oh, my knees are going to give out. My body's going to give out. I can't. No, no, no. I remember I would always keep that little card in my pocket and right. it got me through it. But it taught me like just how, how strong I am, how resilient I am. Um, it taught me that there is nothing that 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 is impossible. I know it sounds like a Hallmark card slogan, but going I think going through boot camp alone for the three months taught me that in the beginning, yeah. which carries me through life. Yeah. Yeah, it taught me a stubbornness of nothing's impossible and always persevere. So it's like, I think that's why I'm here because I yeah. never know when to quit or when to stop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's a common uh, a common trait of successful people, I yeah. believe. Yeah. So let's pivot back to your your acting career. Uh -huh. So you play Smokey Robinson yeah. in the Aretha Franklin biopic Respect. Uh -huh. Talk to me about that experience. Ah. Uh. I grew up idolizing this guy, right. you know, Smokey Robinson, Lionel Richie, like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, my, of course my parents would play it, but I grew up watching these cats and idolizing them. Um, I remember, like, when I was a kid, watching, it was like, my mom loved Diana Ross, and she was doing some type of concert, and this man walks in, and it's Smokey Robinson, and he's not supposed to be there, and he surprises her. And he goes up to the stage and he's talking to her and she's talking and she won't look at this guy. And I'm like, why isn't she looking at this guy? And she turns, she looks at the guy, she can't stop staring. Then she kisses the guy on the mouth and the whole audience is like, ooh. And she's like, oh, let me stop. I got to go back to the audience. And he's just staring at her like this cool, suave cat, just staring at her more and more. Like she's going to fall into the trap again. Just watch, you know, and she looks yeah. back, she kisses him again because she can't stop staring. That was something like that was something powerful to see because yeah. you see this guy with confidence and sophistication but he's also this alluring you know uh don juan i idolized that since a, as a kid man yeah. me my brothers i think every every guy i knew who paid attention to those guys wanted to be those guys because they're the first forms of representation that yeah. we saw as kids in media right, right um so the opportunity to play him it was it was phases man it was when they first said it, i was excited 
Then I was intimidated, like, wait, 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 this is Smokey <laughs> Robinson. This is not just a let. Everybody else, Aretha Franklin has passed on. All these other people, they this guy's still alive. Right. So we got to make sure we get this right to some capacity because this guy that I idolize is going to be watching that. Right. And then we started doing research and it just settled into a cool place of, you know what? This is where we want to go with him. Let's do it as best we can and pay as much respect to your idol as you can, you know? Yeah. Um, and get a chance to work with some really phenomenal people. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. So uh, yeah. you currently star yeah. uh, on the Tyler Perry hit TV series, The Oval. Yeah. How did you land that, that spot? Who networking. Um, networking. Uh, it started when I was in New York. Yeah, I remember... Um, the have and have nots. No, Tyler was doing other shows and I had a management company and I said, um, I wanna I wanna work with this guy. I wanna work with I wanna be a part of what he's doing. So like let's make that happen. And we started the process of getting to know the casting people and producers there. And have and have nots came out. Uh, we are that was my first audition with them. I remember I was in Brazil and I didn't have any camera. All I had was a camera phone and um, a lamp. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember uh, my friend and I, she turned the lamp to me. She's like, this is going to be your lighting. Yeah. You know, and we'll use this, uh, this video, this, this new iPhone that we have. iPhones that just come out. Right. This new iPhone and we'll, we'll record it on this, you know. Um, that was my first audition. And I think I had probably like eight auditions in between um, that I didn't get. And then finally we came around. We booked the have and have nots. Uh, he liked the work. Uh, and he brought me back for the other show's sisters. It didn't work out, but he was like, we got a better role for you, yeah. The Oval. Actually, doing the audition with sisters, I was like, you got a show called The Oval, it's a procedural? I really like that. Is this, if this thing doesn't work out with sisters, keep me in mind for that. And yeah, they, they did call me, and yeah, it worked out, you know? And so, um, what is it like working with Tyler Perry? It's great, it's great, uh, it's an honor. I was just telling a friend, like, every time you walk into the studio lot, for me, it's like walking into Disney World. Because first, we work on a studio lot that was a former Confederate Army base, which is powerful because it's now owned by a black man, you know? Yeah. Um, and working in Hollywood, you don't see faces like this often behind the camera. I think uh, it's, a diverse, it's a diverse crew of people. Black, white, Asian, Hispanics, uh, ex-cons, um, single mothers with second chances. You know, yeah. it's it's a place built on a foundation of a person who sees people and the world for what it should be. And I'm really, really proud to be a part of that. Yeah. And everybody is happy to be at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody's happy to be. Oh, look, I've never seen this many people happy to go to work. You know, from the moment they pick you up from the plane, people are smiling, yeah. you know, and they bring you onto a place where everybody smiles. It's like Disney World, man. You know, <laughs> it's like Disney World. And I'm really I can't say enough like how how proud I am to be a part of that process. You know, it yeah. means it means. It means a lot to me. It, it's, it's a product of what my father, my mother, my grandparents fought for, you know, and the idea that, you know, I think about their stories and I think about their sacrifices. And I think about where I am now with these wonderful group of talented people, both in front of and behind. And I'm like, you know what? 
the system works. You know what yeah. I mean? All these things that these these ancestors and these these, uh, these grandparents and these parents have been fighting for. This is the product of it. You know, you're yeah. looking at it, and not just that. You're not just looking at it. You're a part of it now. You know. Right. So it's a lot of pride that I have when I walk into the studio, or even when I talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who has been the most influential uh, person in your in your life? My grandfather. Yeah. My grandfather, he passed away a few years ago, but he was one of the last remaining Buffalo soldiers of World War II. Um, he is, it's so many foundations of being a man that he's taught me in life. From the shoes you wear to, I remember he would tell me, I don't care what you wear, you can go outside ragged, but you can get you a nice pair of shoes. Yeah. Cause it's the foundation of who you are, which goes back to my dad laying concrete, you know? Right. My dad would always tell me that, you know, this is, the concrete is the foundation of the house. If you don't build the foundation right, the house is gonna fall. Right. My grandfather would tell me, wear a nice pair of shoes cause you need something solid and nice to stand on, you know? Um, and he also taught me just how, how, how powerful your word is. Um, there was a lot across the street that I thought that he owned and we would play football and baseball in. we would wrestle. We built a wrestling ring in when we yeah. were addicted to WrestleMania. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, all my life, he would tell us, hey, go across the street and cut the grass at the lot. Uh, take care of that lot. Just make sure you take care of it as much as you can. Go trim the hedges. And I became an adult. And I remember one day I flew home when I was living in New York and they were building a house on the lot. And I said, Pops, they're building a house on your lot what's going on? He was like, that's not my lot. I said, what do you mean that's not your lot? He was like, that was never my lot. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> he says, yeah, old man Carter, a long time ago before you were born, he had a house there, it burned down, and he went away, and he said, hey, can you take care of my lot while I'm gone? And he said, I gave him my word that I would. Yeah. So for like 30 years, <laughs> my grandfather made sure that the lawn was cut every day, that the hinges, the, 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 the bushes were trimmed. Yeah. And I said, why would you do that? He said, because I gave him my word that I would. 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, he made us put in the labor, right. but still 30 years, you yeah. know, that's something powerful. Right. But he also tell us these, these stories about him being a hero of war, it would be like bedtime stories that yeah. we didn't realize were true until I became right. uh, an adult or in high school. Yeah. And I realized like all these stories of my grandfather saving lives and giving, risking his life for his country and being a prisoner of war behind enemy lines, they're actually true. So then he became my hero, you know? Yeah. And he's one of the main reasons why I joined the Marine Corps because I wanted to be this beacon of something really important in the world like he was, right. you know? Yeah, right. yeah. So you mentioned about the commitment that <clears throat> your grandfather made to, yeah. uh, to his neighbor and how he kept that commitment for 30 years. Yeah. And that kind of lead me to this, this question uh, because I know commitment is, is, is at least part of your answer, but what yeah. do you contribute your success to? I contribute my success to to, 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 to the men, well, I don't want to just say the men because the women in my life are very strong, but I have a, a lot of influential strong men in my life, you know? I have four brothers who are like extremely strong, positive, influential people in my life. I have a father, my grandfather, and my dad has seven brothers and two sisters. And everybody's got their own distinct thing that they've given, you know? I've got neighbors, I have a media company, it's called Charlie Ray Media. And I named it that because my dad's name is Ch Charles Raymond. His nickname was Charlie Ray. Okay. There was a brother across the street um, 
who raised his kids that were our age, his name was Charlie Ray. There was a man a block away that owned the liquor store. Uh, his name was Charlie Ray. There was a man at the gas station, his name was Charlie Ray. Wow. And they were all people within this village that instilled something in every single one of us as we grew up, you know? They were all fathers to us. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like a tribute uh, to them um, and what the influences that they had, you know? Um, Charlie Ray is like a metaphor, you know, it's a metaphor for my uncles, it's a metaphor for my dad, it's a metaphor for my grandfather, it's a metaphor for all these positive men right. in my life that, that motivated me, that said, hey, wake up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, it's a metaphor to my dad who poured concrete and said, hey, you know what, let's not be a small fish in a big pond with everybody else doing this. Let's move over here because there's a demand here for concrete and we don't have to compete as hard, you know? Right, right. Or when we go fishing, hey, yeah, the fish, is, the fish are biting here, but if they're biting here, they're also biting there. So let's go to a quiet place right here where we could probably catch more, you know, right, more fish. Right. Yeah. And I've attributed that to how I approach my career, you know? Yeah. It's probably one of the reasons, not probably, it is one of the reasons why I'm working with Tyler. Um, you know, Tyler's uh, institute was in Atlanta, Georgia. At the time, yeah. I was in New York City, where I was a small fish in a big pond. Right. You know. Right. Um, yeah. So it's it's those things as I think about them. Even as I talk to you now, um, I realize how pivotal those lessons were that my dad, my grandfather, all those men taught. Yeah. Right. Well, the Oval was just yeah. uh, picked up for another season. Yeah. So that's exciting news. Tell me about. Uh, where you were when you found out and how you felt about it. Yeah, um, I, I was in Los Angeles yeah. when I found out. Um, really exciting, really, really, really exciting. Um, it's, 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 I, I know the power of, of TPS, Tyler Perry Studios. Yeah. I know that, um, that they, they, they produce franchises that go on for quite a long time. So I wasn't really surprised, but excited, you know? Absolutely. But excited, yeah. Hey, it's been yeah. great having you on the, yeah. on the show, Logic. I mean, uh, great interviewing you. Yeah. I appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule to be here uh, yeah. with me. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Pleasure's mine. And uh, to my viewers that are watching, uh, thank you for tuning in. And remember, without you, there's no me.